Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This is Let's Do the Right Thing in association with RadioWorks. Presented and curated by Adam Hopkinson. So this is season three of Let's Do the Right Thing, um, the podcast bringing confidence to people going out there on their own. But also over the last couple of years, it's slightly, it's slightly morphed into something else about being more focused towards marketers to talk to people about how and why things have changed over the last couple of years and the pandemic and the, the effect that it's had on our business and our communications industry. And we're talking to the wise and the wonderful of Adland to find out what's going on. Hey, Ollie, welcome. Thanks, Adam. Nice to see you. You've been busy from software engineering, web design, server code analysis, development, web management, technology development, and into advertising at LBI. From there, you were MD at Social Ad Group, and then from there into Havas, uh, where you ran the data and tech practices. And then on from there to Shopify, Shopify, Shopify size. How do I pronounce Shopify. that? I can't, Shopify <laughs> indeed. And that's that's in fact where we met. Um, we went on there to the, a short-lived project called Truth, um, which probably deserves an episode all of its own. And from there into 2019, when you set up Get My Slice, allowing users to generate value from their data. It seems like your career to date has been remarkably focused and it, it, it looks retrospectively, perhaps, that it was inevitable that you were going to be running a data service. How's it going? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you say focused. It's um, <clears throat> kind of sometimes feels a bit slapstick and kind of a bit finding your pathway way through it you know kind of as I moved out of like pure technology development roles and, and things like that I bounced around for a while not really understanding where the the future was and kind of came a bit disheartened really with it um and kind of you know uh, during that process um you know I started to come out of it and understand more around data and specifically got super excited when when uh, you know reading about ethereum back in oh, I can't remember, 2000 17 16 i can't remember what, what date it was now um and started to understand more around you know how how the the primary data markets i mean in terms of behavioral data consumer data um could be utilized in a in a more of a decentralized manner going forward um i don't think we're still there yet in terms of decentralization around this kind of model but um that's kind of where where my passion point started to really start to focus um around those kind of areas really so yeah so um, good, good. Okay, good. Good. Um, we, we spoke recently about um, about data and how it's being used, and and you were telling me about how the, the data can be linked through to people's open banking. Um, to me, that found, sounds like the holy grail for for digital Adlan. But I personally struggle with the morality of that. H- how does it actually work? Well, <clears throat> like like everything these days, it's a supply chain. 
Um, you know, when you start looking at it in, in detail, you know, banks sell your data. There's money management apps that sell your data, Google and Facebook. Well, technically, they don't sell it, but actually they monetize it through ads. Um, underpinning all of this is these kind of data markets that, that kind of flow through and media agencies and brands are well aware of it because they buy that to, to utilize that data in their um, in, in their media strategies. So <clears throat> when we start thinking about the, the data, the holy grail of marketing, um, there's two sides of it, really. One is on the on the um, delivery of the message. So delivering the right message to the right consumer at the right time. And the other end is, is, is purely attributing a sale. So someone's spending some money back with a, with a media campaign. And that's typically hard with, with offline purchases. So retail, high street, all, all of these kind of things is, is trying to pull that stuff back together. And that's where we see open banking data combined with with your behavioural data, so your Google activity data, your Facebook activity data, your Twitter data, your demographic interest area data, all that stuff tied to actual spending habits. Um, we believe that's that's like the holy grail of, of the see-through of the supply of data. Okay, but doesn't that then potentially lead to a problem of differential pricing? Um, <clears throat> yes, in in a in a degree, but you know. You, Sorry, just previously as well, you asked around the morality of it. Um, and so just just touching on that quickly before we jump into the differential pricing model. Well, um, I, OK, I mean, they are linked because it's the differential pricing <laughs> that, that, it, that is the moral problem that I have here. Yeah. So, you know, kind of when everyone else is monetizing that data um, and you're not really aware that it's happening, is that moral? You know, what, what, what does it mean to you for, you know, if I was to here to say, you know, we're, we're helping people extract the value from their data, whether that be through getting paid mm -hmm. to sell it or whether being able to kind of extract more value from brands to allow those brands to access it in 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 um, in a trade for for a deep discount or something like that. So, OK, um, I, I get it. The, the, the issue I think I have is that. If you if, if people are using your data, surely the, the 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 reward for that is baked into the price of the goods that you're buying in the first place. So the um, I don't know the, the the car has a premium on it that's paying you back for your data, and it's you know, potentially slightly cheaper than it would have been if there wasn't a data pool in there. But what what I what I struggle with is the um, is the open banking, whereby potentially I'm revealing sensitive and private information about the you know the other brands that I'm buying and not just the one with the data point that I'm interested in right now. Okay, so firstly, that data is available on our data markets already. Is it really? You can buy that from money management apps, from um, from banks. You, you, you can buy the data, right? All the data is available. Um, it's either anonymized or down to, um, you know, contextual elements, so whether that's category-based or whatever, you can kind of slice and dice it. The key, <clears throat> the next frontier in that is tying that back to an individual person into an individual ID. And, you know, when, when we talk about differential pricing, you know, it's been around for years. It's not just something that's kind mm. of popped up, right? The, the the biggest thing happening right now in differential pricing is around the travel industry. Yep. You know, you've got big companies that are sharing data within a, with, with a third party, which are then buying it back so that, you know, if you buy a, a, a flight or a hotel, that, that price will change invariably over the next sort of 10 minutes if you keep looking. Yep. The more intent you are on buying, the, the more that price will go up. 
um, <clears throat> which I, is why people have to tactic against it. And, but and, then, and, uh, sorry, sorry, and, and I get that, and, and that's that's totally understandable. That the more interest there is in that product, the, the, the that that price is going to change. I completely get that. But when when you're using my financial data to inform what I could afford to then give me a price on what I might be paying, so that's just one side of the market. That's about price increase and margin increase. What if it's about um, a direct-to-consumer marketing where you don't actually have to market a mass market message. You know, back in the old day, it was, hey, if you want an insurance product, new customers get this amazing rate, existing customers get this, or mortgage, right? Yeah. You're a new mortgage customer, you get this rate. You know, if you want to, if you want to, you know, kind of, you know, re I've forgotten the word now, but um, if you want to, you know, re, re extend your mortgage deal to, to a new deal, you don't get as favorable rates. So you typically have to switch. So, when we think around that, it's all led to new customer acquisition, whereas actually there's a part to play for loyalty as well. You know, understanding how how consumers are purchasing um, uh, against their competitors. You know, if, if you're a if 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 a if a brand believes that you're a good customer, um, but actually your data might show that actually you spend more money with their competitor, how would they want to leverage that? How would they leverage the, the potential opportunity to, to create a more loyal engagement and give you something back? It's not just about how can I use that data to to try and get you to, to do something so in that, in that way. That, that, that's really interesting. Then touching on a, a kind of planning position that if, if you're seeing that I am a loyal customer to a shirt brand over there and I'm buying six shirts a year and that makes me like in, in, in a high segmented category for them. But the reality of it is, is I'm not a loyal customer to them because I'm buying 20 shirts over here from somebody else. So, so you can see then that you, you're linking in data of my actual behavior rather than more like surveyed behavior of me. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, um, you know, the, the way that we work as a business um, from a from a data perspective is is, you know, being able to tie people's online activity to their offline purchases. So their online activity um, can be what websites they visit, what searches they perform on Google, you know, what apps they use on their phone, um, you know, their their digital purchase behavior, what products they're buying on Amazon. All of this information is is like digital gold dust. You know, it's the reason why Amazon kind of withhold some of that information in their in their emails is 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 primarily because they want to make sure that people go back to the platform to make those purchases. So, from from our perspective, is the more information that consumers can collect upon themselves, the more opportunities there are to to monetize that. And obviously, there's there's some straightforward monetization, which which is selling it directly to brands or selling anonymized data back out. So I had a look back through my bank statements um, in, in thinking about this following our last conversation. And there's very little data in my bank accounts that suggests that the transaction that you can see is a specific transaction. So what is it that you actually look for then in the in my my banking history to say that that thing there, that transaction was a shirt? Um, we don't necessarily know that it was a shirt. Ah. And we're not necessarily trying to find out whether it was a shirt. Um, that would require massive um, retailer participation unless we are um, unless that was an e-commerce transaction okay. and, and we're able to pick up on 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 the the basket and, and things like that that was spent which is which is in our roadmap um, you know and it always always kind of sounds a bit creepy we're trying to do this you know our business model was around paying users for their data right building the the which is open and clean <clears throat> which is open clean transparent you know we're not trying to hide anything what we're doing um, so first and foremost, I have to kind of highlight that. But 
when when it comes down to transactions data, we want to see everything, right? Because mm. the more more we can see, the more opportunities we have to sell it and, and increase the value of that data. So we don't see like shirts and things like that. Um, you know, we might see brands on there like TM Lewin or Marks and Spencers, and, and you know, we we make judgments against it. And when we tie that back to their online behaviour with it, right. we might see a pattern yeah. of of it. You know, previously they might be looking for a new work shirt, right? Um, they might visit a couple of online stores. They may then go and spend some money in a high street retailer like TM Lewin or, or Marks and Spencers, for example. Then and and you can make an an assessment on it. But you know we don't do that individually because that's just you know it's not not scalable. But over time, you know, we'll, we'll evolve technology to be able to kind of infer and, and make better decisions on what potentially those people are buying, and understand in flight. So you know, the moment you start searching for something, why couldn't a brand come in and make you an offer? Hey, it looks like you're about to buy a shirt. Yeah. Why not come here in a discreet one-to-one communication with the consumer? Is I'm not telling everyone. I'm going to give everyone a discount. Mm-hmm. I've made an assessment that Adam, I want you as a customer, whether it's um, because you're an existing customer or a new customer, I'm going to make that on-the-fly decision and offer you an incentive to come into my shop. Now that could be because your previous history has shown you've never been into that shop before, or, or even are aware of the brand, or not. And so that can transcend through online channels, but also offline. You know, we're in, we're in Soho at the moment and there's no reason why you couldn't, if a consumer looks like they're about to walk into a particular store um, on Oxford Street, say, you know, you might direct them to a store five, you know, five or six roads down. So there's, there's lots of opportunities to, to be able to really kind of switch people and, and you know, ultimately is people want, people want a deal. You know, we've kind of been exposed over the last... I don't even know how long it is now with Groupon. Yeah. You know, kind of people now expecting these huge discounts and, you know, I want a voucher code, I want this, I want that. And that's kind of where we have to play in that mm-hmm. demand. And, you know, and, and the challenge is no brand wants to be a, a cashback or a discount or a voucher code brand, right? They want to do it discreetly. Yeah. And so the only way to do that is a is a dedicated direct-to-consumer marketing platform. In a one-to-one relationship rather <laughs> a than a broadcast. Rather yeah. than a broadcast. Got it. Even, okay. Yeah. So you're, cre- you're creating value for the consumer, sorry, for the customer mm. by them sharing and delivering their data set out to you. Yeah. You're also creating competitive advantage for the brand. Yes. I guess you've also then got a third third element there that you're able to see trends and insights that that may be happening before they're reported as happening. Yes. So can you, can you analyse that data and say, look, there, there's a huge surge in the shirt market, for example, and I wonder yeah. why that would that be because people are coming back to the office and coming back to work, et cetera? Yeah, exactly. You, you know, sometimes it, it you don't know these things, but it seems like obvious after you you you, you kind of draw out those insights from, from the data. Um, you know, you start seeing purchase patterns suddenly that weren't there three months ago on a, on a Tuesday yeah. um, in a particular shop whether it be you know a food and beverage outlet whether it be a takeaway whether it be a, a shirt shop or or suddenly a surge in in subscription services like you know like Netflix mm. or, or or whatever um and it's this kind of information that can derive insights for you know for for hedge funds um you know looking to to try and beat the the earnings calls or the you know the the um announcements that happen for the for the market um, you know, there's opportunities for brands and media agencies to measure the impact of their media, yep. you know, to understand, OK, well, who was exposed and wasn't exposed to my media, whether it be TV, radio um, or digital. Um, and we do a lot of work around around that area for brands, understand that and then prove that consumers have made that purchase. 
or have made a purchase or not. And then we can remunerate those people for for <clears throat> for participating in that. So it's about rather than just doing a service and, hey, did you buy anything from us? And have you seen this ad? It's like prove you bought something to us and we're going to pay you directly within 60 seconds. Which is which is fantastic. <laughs> so I can, I can see that you can create competitive advantage for the brands. I can see that there is a, a reward mechanic in, you know, if, for the consumer for releasing their data. I mean, we'll, we'll get more into that in, in a minute. But it sounds like it's a strong advantage for, um, for agencies to be able to use this kind of information. Who's doing, anybody doing it? Who's using it right? Um, I don't think, that, I don't think there is a right way to do it. I think, you know, if, if you think about the data sets that brands and, and agencies are starting to collect, it's about, you know, date, whether you're talking about a data management platform or a consumer data platform, um, it's about data enrichment. So the more information you know about your customers, the more opportunities there are to to identify things. Um, you know, ultimately, like the, the role of media agencies to help look for opportunities to, mm. to spend clients' money. Oh, indeed, and also to um, understand what's culturally going on right now. Yeah. So, so, so there's a really interesting thing here that you've got a relevance measure, I guess, of, of everything that's happening as well, because not only can you see the trends, you know, the, the money talks at the end of the day, and you know, I think if, if you're asking to survey people, people may be... You know, answering not necessarily entirely truly, but not to hide anything, but just they're, 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 they're answering on an assumption or on what they intend to do rather than what they actually do. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know, you're starting to see, like, as an example, a couple of days ago, I think it was, um, you know, one of the streaming services, I'm pretty sure it was Disney, were announcing a, an ad supported option. Um, and for a brand to be able to understand, like, is that a good model for me? let's look at my existing customer base and understand how many of them uh, actually have Disney as a as a channel and therefore should I invest into that particular particular channel so there's so many opportunities that you can kind of direct in or out of particular things and and, and likewise with with flighting of campaigns you know when is the best time to target a consumer or a particular person whether it be on a on a digital campaign whether it be on a out of home radio what's the best time to do it especially if you're looking for a performance model yeah. you know if you're looking to drive drive sales through your platform um you know is is the day after payday the best time is it or is it just an assumption is it an assumption yeah. you know when when do people's bills go out when do their council tax payments go out when does their mortgage payments go out car finance mm. all of these things when are their subscription services taken out when's the sweet spot where they feel that they feel like they've got more spare cash than they have. So those are the opportunities that you can take from some of the banking data specifically around around when when to fly or not to fly or upweight or downweight your bids um, across across those things. Let's just say that, that there was an agency launching, focusing on passion point categories such as entertainment, fashion and leisure. Um, how would you be able to provide insight that can be effectively used by them? Um I think I've kind of highlighted a couple of them, which is, you know, around subscription services, understanding, um, you know, their consumption habits, you know, uh, you know, understanding, you know, are they sat listening to Spotify all the time, um, watching Netflix all the time? So how much time are they actually engaged with other forms of media? And in which case, you know, is it is it a paid Spotify subscription or an open one? Um, you know, uh, yeah, for instance, if someone sat there listening to Spotify eight hours a day, um, you know, potentially their mind isn't into other forms of media. So therefore, you know, how else are you going to attract that audience? I mean, there's not, you know, everything works, right? You know, kind of, it depends on, on the on the strategy around. But, 
but being able to understand this insight and really kind of drill down into it is is you know part of the planning phase is it persona definition you know right before your kind of creative side of the media is created you know what, what are those kind of key takeaways you know and specifically around you know entertainment fashion leisure things like that you know how often do they go out are they out and about a lot where do they go do they go to bars restaurants cinema how's that going to affect the the types of clients that will want to target that particular audience you know if you've got um, if you're targeting people that only ever get takeaways, for example, um, you know, and you're trying to sell them fashion clothes, is it is it where you really want to focus more of your budget on that, or is it people that are typically going to bars, nightclubs, um, restaurants, and things like that, where potentially there's a, a more meaningful opportunity to to create something for. Uh, a better brand dialogue in, in that in that case. Well, when this mythical agency that I've, res- I've, I've referred to a couple of times actually launches and comes up for air, I'll, I'll be certainly um, on the phone to talk to you about it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you got your eyes on another set of data to, to ingest into this? I mean, like biometric data, for example. Sports brands such as Prevail, that's with a Y, are creating wearable tech that can inform athletes on how and where performance can be enhanced. Things like data from the NHS, etc. Is yeah. that sort of stuff that you're interested in as well? Yeah, exactly. I was talking to someone the other day about healthcare data. They were looking at, oh, it'd be great to, to kind of connect my wearable data into some kind of measurement thing that I can collect it and do something with that data. And I, I think we, the, the, the challenge is, is finding a buyer for that. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of companies have, have struggled finding an individual niche buyer for a particular set of healthcare data um, unless it's tied back to an individual person but if you take that whole model and dial it up to the to the maximum which is like an aggregator of all all of your data automated so everything I've ever bought and everything I've ever done on Amazon everything I've done on Netflix Spotify Google Facebook Instagram WhatsApp everything right all everything of these, everything really yeah uh oh well why not <laughs> Why not? You know, it's it's out there. Someone's collecting it about you. Yeah. Why not? Why not bring it back? And I'm I'm conscious not to use the word control because I don't think we'll ever get to a point of being able to control our own data. Um, we have the right, obviously, uh, but I think it's kind of while there's uh, certain big tech companies out there that are using that data um, for monetization purposes, you know, particularly through ads. I think I think it's unless they go away. Um, I think we're going to be stuck in a world where, where like you know, it's a far future-facing kind of pipe dream of of control. So, what's the next best thing of other control is to monetize it. And mm. I don't believe in ad blocking or no, or either. kind of preventing publishers from making money. So our, our business model was always around how do we sit over the top of everything else. So it doesn't matter whether you use, you know, Google Chrome, Microsoft Edge, Safari, or whatever. Right? You continue doing your whatever you do day to day and we'll just connect into the services that you use the most so you know we'll you know we'll we'll plug in amazon we'll plug in all of these other things and by law you know they have to provide access to that information and that's where we exist to be able to help people to extract that back out so uh okay um i i I also wrestle though with advertising here because i I don't believe that the advertising viewing data is going to be the set that's going to be most lucrative where are you looking next i mean it can't all be about ads to make your, your, your purchase more efficient. I, it feels to me that there's an opportunity here to have a much bigger play. Right now, we're building this kind of base layer of, of members on our platform, right? And we're doing that because, you know, we, we need to build enough people to be able to evoke change in the industry. Um, 
you know, we've delivered this kind of rewards and cashback model that helps personalize that experience for brands. So, so that's enabled us to bring on thousands of brands onto the platform. Um, they're able to now kind of sell in a more discreet and personalized manner to consumers on our platform. That isn't something that's just you can Google search for or, or, or Bing search or, or whatever search platform you use. Um, you know, the, the ultimate goal is to, to kind of minimize that supply chain um, of, of media spend. So why spend, you know, millions of pounds or hundreds of thousands or tens of thousands of pounds on those intermediaries? Um, when actually a strategic plan could be to go and market to consumers directly mm. um, through platforms like through yeah through platforms like Get My Slice, um, and I think you know from a consumer perspective, um, I think it's you know how as a consumer on the street, I'm open to offers. So how do I, how am I rewarded now? Does the future look like a reverse auction model where? hey, my data's telling me I'm interested in a car insurance product and rather than me going out and filling out a thousand forms, suddenly I'm just open to offers and suddenly that comes to me because I'm sharing my, you know, medical data with a car mm. insurance or, you know, healthcare provider or whether I'm sharing my car telemetry data, which because I've got a box in my car because I was forced to by the insurance company. So why can't I take that data back and then use it to leverage a new insurance product? Yep. So all of these things can be created. I mean, we're, we're kind of hot off the press. We're about to launch a data savings account, um, which will pay people um, a passive income for their data. So rather than having your twenty or £30,000 in, in the bank, in your savings account, which no one does, um, <laughs> uh, and being able to kind of extract a few pounds here and there for, for that, you don't need to do that anymore. You can just kind of plug your data in and we'll take care of the, the marketplace for you and we will kind of just start paying you. So we we can give people like moments of happiness. You know, it's not going to set the world alight. You know, they're not going to become instant millionaires overnight by selling their data. But do you know what? It's, it's part of doing the right thing. It's part of bringing an ethical, transparent model back to back to the world. And we think consumers need to be part part of that. You know, people need to be part of that, not not just consumers in that point now if i if, if i if i subscribe to this as a consumer how, how do i stop and can i stop once my data's out there do i have any control of it ever again yeah i mean look, the data is not typically shared out <clears throat> um brands at the moment are buying inside data um and and they're they're running offers on the platform um you know this data savings account and um, we're going to explore selling the raw data to brands and tying it back to potential ids but that that requires consent on a on a per transaction basis. But I think, you know, it's if, if a brand wants to use that data for for targeting purposes, then, you know, if a consumer's open to it, then why not? Why can't we make that, and that connection? So when you can delete it in the app is you delete that that particular moment of that data. Okay. Any data that's previously been sold, um, that's your responsibility to go to the brand directly and yeah. ask for um, you know, uh, the removal of that data. Okay, and it's explicitly requested by consumers that your data is going to be used and they're understanding how, why, and where potentially? Yes. Great. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I remember discussing with you over, over one of our more fun-filled pints um, where it, uh, you know, the, the, the potential for a, like, a user to create a proxy for their data, which can then be referenced by the buyer, perhaps even stored on a blockchain. I mean, are, yeah. are, are you still looking in this field? And, and, and if so, how, how does that resolve with GDPR requirements? So, yeah, we want to unleash the mother of all GDPR consent platforms. Um, you know, once we hit a certain scale, we, we will do that. And it will be a competitor to Google Authenticate, to Facebook Connect, in terms of logging into a third-party service with it. Um, what will come as part of that is um, agreement policies that are defaulted to whether you're open to sharing information or not, but also the ability to sell information as part of that connection. So am I willing to share with publisher what I've been doing for the last half an hour? You know, what value is the publisher going to bring? Is the publishers going to share some of their ad revenue with me for me sharing more data around what I do elsewhere? Are publishers willing to under, to buy that data because they want to know, have I been spending more time on other publishers? And actually, they were just happy to pay me to, to know that information so they can target me better in the future. There's lots of opportunities around it. So, um, so I think that that's on the radar, but, um, you know, that, that's going to take a bit of time to work with publishers and, and things who want to who want to explore this opportunity, and we're speaking to a few already. Um, the other side of it is, is is blockchain, you know, and, and I, you know, when we started this project, you know, blockchain was built into it, not just because it was a bug word, a buzzword or, or a passion of mine. It was more around being able to kind of have an audit trail of, of how and when my information was used, what I connected with and what I didn't connect with. So that any point in the future is like, well, who has my data? So that is easy, right? If I go to Facebook or any other kind of big tech platform and try and find out who has access to my information, it's complicated. Yeah. It's hard. Um, I don't technically know because there's been so many challenges, should we say, over the years um, around how that information was harvested, utilised, and, and then kind of resold through that. So, you know, we, we have that baked in. Um, you know, it's kind of been a bit of a blocker in the last few years, primarily because of, um, you know, typical challenges around scaling blockchain solutions. Mm -hmm. So um, that's kind of readying the wings. Um, so when, when the time's right, that will all, all roll out together. Um, <clears throat> yeah. will, will that lead to a unified data policy for the planet, do you think? I hope so. Um, that's an interesting question. I think, I think it's going to be... <sighs> You know, it depends on regulations in different markets and, and the, what the tech companies are doing in each of those markets. Um, I think there might be 
you know, I, I think there'll be an aggregator of sorts. Um, you know, whether that's an aggregator of global or local market solutions. So at the moment, you know, we're only in the UK, so we're a local market solution. Um, but as we scale, we'll become a global leader in what we're doing. Um, inadvertently, there'll be other companies that will that will try and come and you know take a slice of our of our, of our pie. Get pie my slice. get my slice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I, I hope so. I hope there's a fair, transparent model in the future. That's why we're doing it. You know, it'd be great in the future to have full control. You know, to be able to turn off my email address and suddenly it's gone. Mm. or change my email address from one to another and every other service I'm connected to will now have an updated email address of me. So, you know, the, 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 there's so much opportunity for scope. Um, but, you know, right now it's just focus on building the business, right? And and that's where we are today. So, you know, we're, we're, we're scaling quickly um, and, you know, it's, yeah, it's exciting. It is, and I can, I can hear it in your voice and <laughs> I can see it in front of me right now. Um does this lead to the removal potentially of serendipity? The so one of my bugbears is is the things like uh, Netflix, for example. You watch a couple of Arnie films, which you know we all like an Arnie film, and then all of my recommendations that follow on from that are exactly the same. Or if my boy comes in and uses my account, and then it's suddenly anime for the uh, for the next however long, and I don't want that. I, I want to be able to discover things rather than make uh, rather than be subject to. Um, recommendations are we are we are we changing that <clears throat> no okay that was it, nice well, <laughs> it, it can you know it depends right you know if you have your profile that's your let's call them a set of meta profiles around you know your content consumption so you know this is how i like my movies or my films and for services to be able to connect to that and and load that information in so think of data portability under gdpr you know, how can I port my information in and out of these different services and take take that with me? You know, that that's a future. If it's not done by by any of the big tech companies, um, it will certainly be done in a mm. in a more decentralized Web three world. Um, and and so yeah, you know, it's kind of where, where does recommendations become uh, a good thing or a bad thing? <clears throat> you know, you know, getting a pop up notification on my phone saying hey this time last year you booked a ski holiday do you want to go skiing again yes click 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 suddenly i've got offers to go on a ski trip is that useful is is it useful when i'm looking for a, a flight to new york or a, or, or a week new york holidays the you know, last time you went to new york you went overdrawn by you know five six hundred pounds you, you sure you was want to go Vegas, actually, but. <laughs> yeah. well i didn't want to bring up vegas yeah. um, <clears throat> edit <laughs> But, you know, it's it's when does that information become useful? And and that's the, the kind of things, you know, we're not looking to build out everything. You know, part of our ecosystem is to, well, part of our strategy is to build the pipes and let other people build apps on top of your your data profiles and allow people to build out. So you, you might have a digital concierge that knows everything that Alexa knows on mm. you, knows everything that Google knows on you, knows everything that Siri knows on you. And being able to pull all that together and for someone way smarter than me, make something more compelling than than we ever could. Um, so yeah, that that's kind of that's the stuff uh, that excites us on our pathway towards it is 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 bouncing into the future. And there's no one really doing what we're doing. Um, there's other companies collecting data as you go through the web and things like that. But but I think we've got a unique unique proposition, and you know, and I hope more companies join the space um, to really start dialing it up. Fantastic. 
Well, you, I can see your excitement on it. Um, you, you, you mentioned something earlier on about the um, the savings account for data. Yes. That's that's fascinating. Um, is there a new ecosystem potentially happening about the actual data <clears throat> that people get paid in other sources of data? Well, yeah. I mean, like, ultimately, it's, you know, you, from a media perspective, you could look at it as barter in the future. Um, you know, it, it's about pooling people's data together. Right, being able to pull it together and sell it aggregated to brands, either anonymized or or kind of with PII data attached to that behavioral data, depending on the consent that the consumer wants to or the value in it. And then for us to to basically go and market make the the sales of that data. Um in the future, you know, it it would be as easy as it would be selling something on eBay. You know, as literally I'll just participate in this network and people can buy it i can choose or not choose or automate those kind of processes um and the key thing is is you know it's for us the simplicity at the first of all around this data savings account is is around building out this passive income so how do i make money without actually having to lift a finger and it takes us back to to the ethos that we had when we started the businesses you know your data makes money get your share um you know with with that kind of model you know we, we Obviously, we had to pivot as a business because, you know, we launched literally five days into COVID. And um, and so we kind of have to have to shift the business around quite a bit. So it feels like a rewards app at the moment. But actually, that's helped us drive scale in the business because I think it was quite early from a data conversation. And it was early from, you know, a lot of the feedback originally was, oh, my God, what? Why do you need my data? Oh, I didn't know Google collected it all. And it was kind of like, oh, panic, panic, fear, fear. But actually, you know, now that we've got a market, you know, now that we've got brands, agencies, funds, loads of companies buying data from us, we're able to reward people. And that's the fascinating thing. You know, money motivates people. It's not necessarily around the the ideological thing that people join our platform. It's like they can get paid in 60 seconds. So they can earn £5 in 60 seconds on our app. And that, that's like a a moment that that you can cherish oh, but pe- people like getting paid and people should be paid for something mm. that they are generating and if somebody else is creating value from it i completely get that a couple of episodes ago we had um we had two girls in from work experience from a school in great missendom and they both said something quite insightful that they don't understand how they should trust the brands that they're seeing advertising for so if you have something whereby you are interrogating the market and you're seeing changes in behavior and indeed you're having ads that are, that are recommended to you based upon a number of different factors. Would it also not be possible for you to share the market data back to the user? So rather than just putting an ad in front of you right now because it looks like you're in market to do this, I'm kind of thinking of something along <coughs> the lines of the recommendation engines that you see that, you know, there, there are this is in 15 people's baskets right now. You know, if you, if you can create the, the, the story from the market data saying that the market supports this recommendation that we're about to make to you, would that be valuable for me to consume? I guess, yeah. So I think it would. Do you know what? <clears throat> I mean, you know... Rather than actually in cash, you're, you're, you're sort of ensuring the, the purchase that I'm about to make. Exactly. I mean, it would be great in the future to be able to have a kite mark on those ads. Yeah. You know, kind of just saying, hey, this is what information was used. Wouldn't it? Um, in order to target you as an individual as an individual person so yes it's great but you know we we live in a world of human futures right it's not about being able to sell those products right it, it's about predicting you know it used to be all around predictive modeling around okay who's more likely to go and buy my product now it's about how do i force people to buy my product so what is you know when you've got big tech companies running big campaigns for brands who they don't have enough consumers wanting to buy that product how do their content algorithms change 
to show, let's say, garage doors to people so that when the advertiser comes online selling garage doors, how, how do they meet that demand? Or how do they meet the supply of, of, of inventory against that? And that's that's the challenge that we, we exist at the moment is, you know, I mean, I'm terrible. It's like kind of I just buy stuff sometimes without necessarily thinking about it because I, I, I can't prove it. But, you know, you believe that you've, you've seen something that makes you want that product. Exactly. And you hadn't thought about it before and you've got literally zero need for it. And that that's the, the kind of challenge. Good luck with it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I, I love this. It, it it sounds fascinating. You know, I I, I I wrestle with the the way that people's data are using and potentially even the way that people may not even understand how their data is using or what they're consenting to or signing up to. But I do feel that you've got you've got a position in market that that, that helps me with those concerns and, and hopefully it yeah. helps a lot of other people with it. If you ever need an agency, Ollie, to uh, share your message, I, I hear the previously mentioned agency is gathering some traction pretty quickly, so they may well be in touch. <laughs> uh, it's always fun talking to you. Um, I really appreciate you coming in today. The conversation is always animated, and you, you set my day up nicely. Thank you. Thanks, Adam. Thank you very much. Find out more about what Ollie's up to at uh, getmyslice.com. Thank you for listening to Let's Do the Right Thing in association with Radio Works the UK's largest independent radio advertising agency. Let's See the Right Thing is a Maple Street Creative production, devised and presented by Adam Hopkinson. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.